Well, grab a Bible. We're going to be going through a lot of Scripture this morning. We'll throw it up as, on the screen as much as possible for you to follow. Uh, but as we do this, uh, be ready to roll. So if you need a Bible, we've got them on the back table, and we can always grab one for you if you need it. Just raise your hand, wave it, and we'll bring one to you. And the first place you can turn to is going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 28. Matthew 28, the first book in the New Testament. So as you're turning there, Matthew 28, we're on a, a short series here called The Road uh, to the Cross. Last week we found out the road to the cross requires obedience and humbleness. And uh, sort of the beginning of a, that journey and sort of looking at the last week of the life of Jesus. What did he discover as he's going to the cross? That's sort of what we're focusing in on here. So as we get that mindset, you know, I was thinking about this. Um, I don't know if you've ever been on a trip. And as you're driving, as you're journeying, you see something over and over and over again. You know, whether it's uh, maybe a certain vehicle, it's like you pass them, they pass you, you pull off the rest out, they pull it, and you're just like, didn't I just see that truck? Didn't I just see that vehicle? It's like, I keep seeing it over and over. Or maybe it's an advertisement, a billboard, a sign or something. Or, or maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's a restaurant, a certain brand name. It's like, man, I've never seen it before, but it's popping up everywhere. It's like, boy, I've been on this trip, and that's all I keep seeing. You ever, you ever been there? You know, if you're, if you're heading south towards, uh, through Kentucky and Tennessee, or maybe you're coming north through Georgia and Tennessee, you're going to see something. I mean, I see this all the time. It, it's on the billboards. It's on the top of the roofs of barns. It's like Sea Rock City. Some of you are like, oh, you know, some of you just smile, right? Because like, you've seen it, right? It's like everywhere when, I, when I'm heading south or heading north on that one route, there's always signs for Rock City. And I'm telling you something. These signs are constant. I mean, you just keep, like, another one? Another one? How do they pay for all this advertising? I'm, I'm just, like, tired of seeing it, right? But it's a reminder, it's an attention getter to check out this place. I'm going to tell you something. This place isn't Disney. This place isn't a famous beach. It's not like, hey, where do you want to go on vacation? Oh, Rock City. Nobody's saying that. It's just an attraction along the way. And they advertise so well. It's just it's off the beaten path. And you wonder, like, how many people actually choose it, right? And how many times do you have to see that sign before you decide to try it? You know, sometimes um, the more you see it, the more you don't want to go. You know what I'm saying? If I see that sign one more time, I'm just going to get sick. I'm going to scream. I will never go there because I see it all the time. Does that ever happen with any of you? It's like, yeah, that's enough of that, right? See, when you're on the road and you're on the road for a long journey, you may see the same things over and over again. Forgiveness. Let me hear you say forgiveness. When you journey in life, when you travel down this road in life, you're going to see this over and over and over again too. Forgiveness. No matter what direction you're heading, no matter which way you turn, there's always going to be signs, there's going to be moments when you're going to be reminded that forgiveness is your choice. You pull off right now and be a forgiving person. You can pull off right now and forgive the one that's hurt you. That, that's your choice, right? The signs are constant. Remind us to check it out, choose it, and visit it, right? However, sometimes we're like, I don't want to take that route. I don't want to pull off right now and be forgiving. I like payback. I like revenge. I like get even. You know, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's, I just want to walk away from it. I don't want to deal with it anymore. 
I'm just going to be mad and hold a grudge. Or we can keep on driving in life and just never choose forgiveness or any of those things. That's just our choice, right? Just to continue on that road. But how many times do we have to be reminded to be forgiving? If you observe the road to the cross, you will undoubtedly see Jesus choose forgiveness over and over and over again. And the road to the cross is more than just a desire to be with Jesus and to walk with Jesus. I want you to think about this. The disciples said what? Oh, I'll go wherever you go, Jesus. We want to be wherever you're going to be. We'll do whatever you do. We're going to say whatever you want us to say, right? They wanted the journey with Jesus. They wanted to be on this road with him, yet they didn't fully understand the depth of what all that meant. The road to the cross, they knew, or at least they found out, included persecution and opposition. The road to the cross included pain, frustration. And last week we said, we learned that the road to the cross included opportunity to be obedient and humble. Well, today I want you to understand the road to the cross gives us opportunity to show forgiveness. Consider those moments of forgiveness shown by Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to go through a lot of scripture, looking at all these moments where Jesus said, forgive. Forgive. And you say, well, why are we talking about this? Well, that's part of the road to the cross. And it's something that it's very easy for us to not be, and that is forgiving. We're going to treat this like a crime scene, like we stumbled across something, and we're going to sort of work our way backward to find out how it all started. So in Matthew chapter 28, we're going to read this, verse 8. Let's read this. Matthew chapter 28, verse 8 and 10. This is after the resurrection, okay? So like I said, we're working our way backwards. The women ran quickly from the tomb. Look what it says. They were frightened, yet they were filled with joy. See that mixed emotion going on there? They rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. Look at verse 9. And as they went, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They ran to him. They held his feet. They worshipped him. Verse 10, Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they'll see me there. And you, okay, I'm going to stop and you're saying, and forgiveness? What does this have I don't, I'm not connecting points here. Jesus has just come back from the dead, right? He's risen, right? He's alive. And the ladies went to the tomb to discover this. They got to the tomb and they said, Jesus isn't here. And then they got, do you see the mixed emotion? The frightened and the joy. It's like, he's not here. What's happened? But he's not here. Look what's happened. They've got that mixed emotion. They're told that he's risen. He's come back from the dead. So they quickly ran back with these mixed emotions to share the news with the disciples. Hey, listen, Jesus is alive. They can't wait to tell them that, right? And then they meet Jesus on that road. Everything stops. The last time Jesus saw his disciples, remember this, the last time Jesus saw his disciples was when? We're near the garden, right? They're all together at that point in time. What happened? They ran, right? They fled. They abandoned Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we'll go wherever you go. We'll do whatever you do. We'll be right by your side. And then, boom, they're gone. As soon as trouble came, they abandoned him. You ever been abandoned by somebody? You ever been close to somebody? They just walked out on you. They just left you. It's like, you left me here on my own. It hurts, right? It seems wrong, right? Man, why would they do that? Those soldiers and temple police showed up, and they ran. Instead of Jesus returning from the grave, pops out of there, he's alive. Okay? and ignoring those who abandoned him, his disciples, or worse yet, getting revenge on them, right? Ooh, 
Michael Bagley thought, I'll show them how to run. I'll make them run even for me. He could have been that way, right? One of the first things he wants to do is what? He wants to see them. He tells the ladies as they come and they worship at his feet. What does he say? Go, go tell my brothers that I'm coming. See the word he's? Brothers. That's a term of endearment. That's a relationship. Jesus shows forgiveness in seeking out the opportunity to connect. He'd forgiven them. Look at the person next to you and say, forgiveness expressed. Tell them. Oh, yeah, he expressed forgiveness. Hey, go. Go tell my brothers, I'm coming. Turn with me to Luke chapter 23. So in Matthew, go forward. Mark to Luke. Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, verses 20, um, verse starting verse 32. I know it says 34 in there, but I want you to look at verse 32. So we're walking backwards, okay? So we're at the resurrection. Now let's get to the cross. On the cross, there's two other criminals that are there with Jesus on the cross who were let out to be executed with him. When it came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. The criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Look at verse 34. Verse 34, Jesus said, Father, what does it say? Forgive. Father, forgive these people because they don't know what they're doing and the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. You know, Jesus has just been treated unfairly. Falsely accused, spit upon, beaten, mocked, cursed at. Those along, as he's carrying a cross, those along the road are shouting at him. The religious leaders making fun of him. Nails pounded into his flesh. Criminals on both sides of him, one's mocking him. And what did Jesus do? Father, what? Forgive. Forgive here, as he said, this means to let go, to yield, to release of a debt. Jesus says, God, let go of these guys. I know right now you want to wrench them like I do. Forgive them. Jesus is asking God to forgive the people who are putting them to death. Jewish leaders, Roman politicians, soldiers, bystanders. See, God was gracious enough to answer this prayer by what? Answering up the way of salvation through Jesus Christ on that cross. Look at the person next to you and say, forgiveness requested. We saw it expressed. We see it requested. Now turn with me back to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. And in Matthew chapter 26, we'll start in verse 31. And it says here that tonight, Jesus is talking to us, tonight all of you will desert me, Jesus told him. For the scripture says, God will strike the shepherd. The sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised from the dead, I'll go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Now, you remember what, oh wait, do you remember what Jesus told the ladies? Go tell my brothers to meet me in Galilee. And remember this happened way before? The prophecy is incredible, okay. Verse 33, Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. Peter, Jesus replied, truth is, this very night before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Oh, no, no, Peter insisted. Not even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same thing. 
They all vowed the same thing. I'll never deny you. Those are Peter's words, right? And all the other disciples, yeah, me, me, I won't either. I will never deny you. No, Jesus, I won't. I won't either. I won't. They're all piping up and saying, I'll never deny you. But we know what happens, don't we? Fast forward to verse 69, same chapter. Verse 69. Meanwhile, as Peter's sitting outside in the courtyard, Jesus has been arrested in the garden, been taken uh, to be placed in his first hearing. A servant girl came over and said to him, Hey, you're one of those with Jesus of the Galilean. Verse 70. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, Hey, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it. This time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. Verse 73. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to him and said, You must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter said, I swear by God, I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went away crying. Peter denied Jesus three times. Even after he told Jesus, I will never deny you. Oh, I won't either. I won't either. We were not going to deny you. We vow to stand with you, Jesus. And then three times he denies him. You know, the good news about that part is that Jesus forgives Peter. We won't turn there, but in the book of John, chapter 21, after Jesus resurrects from the dead, he comes back and he meets with the disciples at one moment. He has this little time with Peter. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Oh, Jesus, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, I just told you. Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, then hits him. Three times he asked me if I love him. Three times I denied him. And Jesus said, I'm just letting you know, for every time you denied me, I forgave you. I love you, Peter. Same chapter, Matthew 26. Let's go back a few verses. Verse 36. Matthew 26, starting in verse 36. We saw forgiveness shown to Peter. Now let's look at verse 36. Then Jesus brought them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, Sit here for a while, and I'll go ahead to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he began to be filled with anguish and deep distress. And he told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell face down on the ground praying, My father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken from me. Yet I want your will, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and he found them what? What were they doing? They were sleeping. And he said to Peter, Couldn't you stay awake and watch with me even one hour? Keep alert. Pray. Otherwise temptation will overpower you. For though the spirit is willing enough, the body is weak. And again he left them and he prayed, My father, this cup cannot be taken until I drink it. Your will be done. And returned to them and found them what again? Sleeping, yeah. For they couldn't keep their eyes open. Verse 44, So he went back to pray a third time, saying the same things. And when he came back to his disciples, he said, Still sleeping? Still resting? 
And they fell asleep on Jesus. You know, I don't feel bad when people in church get a little sleepy on me. I get that. I mean, they fell asleep on Jesus, you know? You remember Paul's preaching? He's preaching in his room, and a guy fell asleep in the window, and he fell out of the window. True story. Read it. Okay. I don't feel so bad sometimes. But they fell asleep on Jesus. I mean, think about this. Keep your eyes open. How hard is it to go and pray with Jesus? It's like, sometimes I get sleep. Anybody? I don't want to make you. I won't do this to you, okay? You know who you are, okay? Which is probably like 99% of us, right? That sometimes when you wake up early in the morning, late at night, and you're praying, and all, all of a sudden you're like, oh, what was I praying? We sort of dozed off, didn't we? You know, we, we, we get mad at the disciples, but it's like, oh, I've done it. How hard is it to pray to Jesus to stay awake? Yet, what? Jesus what? Jesus what? He forgave them. As he told Mary and the other ladies, go tell my brothers to meet me in Galilee. I'll meet you all there. I forgive them. Whether they denied me, whether they fell asleep on me, whether they abandoned me and ran, whether they mocked me, or cr- I forgive them. Turn with me to John chapter 13. Again, we're sort of working our way backwards through the story of Jesus before he was crucified. John chapter 13, starting in verse 18. Jesus is up in the room. We know this scene as being the Last Supper. They've all gathered together. And Jesus is talking with them and he says this, starting in verse 18. I'm, I'm not saying these things to all of you. I know the ones I've chosen. But this fulfills what Scripture says. The one who eats my food is turned against me. I tell you this beforehand so that when it happens, you'll believe that I am the Messiah. I tell you the truth. Anyone who welcomes my messengers welcome me. And anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. Look at verse 21. Now, Jesus was deeply troubled. So you can imagine this. Maybe there's a change in his voice, his throat, maybe cleared, I don't know. But since he becomes deeply troubled and he says, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. Can you imagine this? He's sitting there with his disciples, those he's loved and walked with for three years, and his voice changes, one of you is going to betray me. And the disciples all looked at each other wondering, what could that mean? The disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to him at the table. By the way, that's John. John's writing this. He goes, the one that Jesus loved sitting next to him at the table. That's me. Okay. Verse 24, Simon Peter motioned to him to ask, who's he talking about? So that disciple leaned over to Jesus and said, who is it? Jesus responded, it's the one whom I give the bread that I dip in the bowl. And when he dipped it, he gave it to Judas son of Simon Iscariot. And when Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him, and Jesus said, hurry, do what you're going to do. And none of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant, since Judas was their own treasure. Some thought he was telling them to go pay for the food or give money to the poor. So Judas left at once, going out into the night. Jesus knew what Judas was going to do. Before he said it, he already goes, "Ah." and that's, I believe, why he was so deeply troubled. Because he knew it was coming. The moment everybody else was going to find out. So deeply troubled, he goes, one of you is going to betray me. Who's going to do it? Jesus is going to do it. The one that I dip my bread in and give it to. Go, Judas. Go do what you're supposed to do. And off he went. 
betrayal. Did you think maybe that as he's handing him that, he said, you're one of them that vowed you would do what I would do, go where I would go and say what I would say. You said you would be my disciple. Now you're turning on me. You're handing me over. Forgiveness in big things. Because Jesus was forgiving him before it ever happened. That was a big thing. How could he show forgiveness over and over? From the point after resurrection to the cross, to before the cross is being beaten, to the point in time when he was denied, to the betrayal. All the way down, as you sort of walk backwards to the story, he was forgiving, 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 forgiving. See, the road to the cross is forgiveness. But how could he do this? That's who he was, right? It's what he did. It's what he taught us. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. I told you to have your Bibles ready, have your fingers ready to do the turning, right? Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. In this passage, there's a parable that Jesus is going to talk about a forgiving debtor, but before it all started, Peter comes up to Jesus and said, Hey, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. You see, the religious leaders back in this time, they would go around teaching forgiveness. The rabbis would say, you want to be forgiving? You must forgive them at least three times. Oh, three times. I forgive you, I forgive you. Then after three, I'm okay, right? Yeah. Peter's like, I'm going to up one on those religious leaders. Jesus, how many times should we forgive them? Seven times? Better than rabbis, huh? Seven. Oh, it's a perfect number, Jesus. Seven. It's all through the Bible, right? Seven. That's a good number. Jesus goes, good job, Peter. But no. How about seven times 70? Oh. Let's do the math. He's like, no. Then I want you to come up with a, how much? 490. I don't want you to come up with 490, Peter. What I want you to know is there is no limit on forgiveness. Because that's what Peter was doing. Peter's like, seven times seven. uh, Hey, you're good with numbers, right? Tell me about this one. Matthew, you were a tax collector. You didn't need numbers, right? It wasn't about the numbers. God has forgiven all of our sins. Even the ones we habitually commit every day, days before, days to come. Therefore, Jesus said, I don't want you just to forgive that once or twice or three or seven or seven times seventy. We shouldn't withhold forgiveness from others as we realize how completely Jesus has forgiven us over and over. It should produce an attitude of forgiveness in us towards others as well. As Jesus is forgiving us, forgiving us, forgiving us 70 times 7, 70 times 700, 70 times 7,000, you just keep it going, okay? That's how much Jesus forgives us, right? Now he says, now you do the same with everybody else. Forgive them over and over. Well, well, that's, that's tough, right? But I want you to think about this. When we don't forgive others, guess what we're doing? We're setting ourselves above the law of Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying 70 times 7, in other words, can continue forgiveness. We're saying, well, I don't have to. So you're better than Jesus then. You don't have to do as much as what he's saying. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm not saying that. Well, are we? Turn with me to Luke chapter 7, verse 47. 747. Luke 747. 
In Luke 7, 47, there's a story here, and we won't get into it because I think you remember uh, the story from our discussion about the grace of God a few Sundays ago. There's a sinful woman forgiven by Jesus. She enters this home of this religious man where Jesus is, and she comes in, and they're all eating, and she pours this expensive perfume on the feet of Jesus, and she's crying. She's wiping his feet and everything, and it's an incredible story, right? We talked about that, the grace of God, okay? But look at verse 47. Jesus says this, I tell you, her sins, oh, and there are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. What is Jesus teaching us here? The overflowing love is a natural response to the grace of God, to forgiveness. When God forgives us in an incredibly immense, huge ways, it should automatically go, boom, I'm forgiven that much? Yes. That is the grace of God, so that should cause me an overflow of forgiveness towards others as well. That's what grace is. God forgives us. He gives us what we don't deserve. And not just this. A lot of us are like, well, forgiveness is what? Passage into heaven, right? It's beyond that. It's not just passage into heaven. It's not just new life. Forgiveness from the old life. Forgiveness from sin. When we realize how messed up we are and how ugly our sins are, and how God forgives every one of those sins. Every one. There's not one of us in this room this morning that is perfect, right? True? Okay. And a lot of us, we can look at the sin in our life and say, Ooh, that's bad. And what do we do as, as human beings? We compare. Well, my sin's not as bad as that person, right? My sin's, well, it's, it's sort of ugly, but not as ugly as that sin, right? We, we, we do that, but we would think sin is sin. It's all ugly in the eyes of our Savior. But he forgives us, regardless of how ugly or where we've categorized it. When we realize his grace and mercy shown to us, we respond in worship, which we talked about a few weeks ago. We forgive others because he's forgiven us. See, to forgive others is an act of realizing how much I've been forgiven. When I decide to choose to forgive my brother, why is that? Because I finally figured out, because God's forgiven me. Because God's forgiven me, I must forgive others. Not as a, or God's going to give me, but as a, I must do that because look what he's done for me. It's so hard because maybe we've been hurt so much. Maybe it's hard because of who the other person is, right? So what do we do? Blast them, right? Make sure the world knows how evil that other person is. Hop on social media. You know what this person did, you know? We let it fly, right? Let them know that we've been hurt. I don't know if I want to forgive that other person, right? We, we do that, right? John 8, 7, when that adulterous woman, remember the adulterous woman was brought to Jesus and they're all ready to stone her and they're asking Jesus, what should we do? And they've all got stones in their hands and what did Jesus say? Oh, the first one of you without sin, go ahead, cast the stone. If you've got that perfect life and you've never messed up, go ahead, throw the stone. Nobody could throw a stone, could they? And Jesus looked at her and said, sin no more. And he forgave her. So we've all sinned, just like the one who hurt us, right? But Jesus showed us the importance of compassion and forgiveness. Yeah, I've been hurt. I've been sinned upon, right? We've all been treated in a way we don't want to forgive somebody. What did Jesus say? Oh, are you without? <laughs> you want to pick up a stone and throw that rock at that person that's hurt you, right? Are you without sin enough that you can throw that rock? You know, drop it, right? We got to let it go. 
That's what forgiveness means, to let go. I have every right right now to pick up a rock and throw it at somebody who hurt me. Right? That's what I like to believe. But what does Jesus tell us? You need to forgive. Because your Heavenly Father forgave you. God's got the, the big boulder hanging over us, right? He could just crush us for our sin, right? And he's like, I'm not going to do it because I love you. He chooses not to crush us. He says, because I've forgiven you, you got to forgive one another. Luke chapter 11. Turn with me there, please. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Jesus was praying. His disciples came up to him, and they were at their certain place of praying. Read with me in verse 1. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Like John taught his disciples, teach us to pray. Jesus said, okay, this is how we're going to pray. Father, may your name be holy. May your kingdom come. Give us this day, this food as we need. Because of verse 4. And what? And what? Forgive us our sins as we what? Forgive those who sin against us. Jesus said, you want to learn how to pray? Let me tell you what's a part of prayer. Forgiveness. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he made forgiveness the cornerstone of their relationship with God. God's forgiven our sins. Now we must forgive those who've sinned against us. To remain unforgiving shows we've not understood how deeply we've been forgiven. I mean, how could Jesus say this? How could Jesus show forgiveness on this road to the cross? This same Jesus who taught, showed, and commanded us to forgive journeys with us. Isn't that amazing? He lives and he lives within us. That's the great thing about the resurrection that we get to celebrate next week is that Jesus lives. Because Jesus lives, he lives in us. And if Jesus lives in us, who forgives us and teaches us how to forgive others, guess what we can do? We can forgive others because Jesus lives in us. And he walks with us. And we say, I don't know if I can forgive. You're right. You probably can't. But because Jesus is with you, you can. You can be a forgiving person. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath what? Forgiven you. William Ward said this, We are most like beasts when we kill. We are most like men when we judge. And we are most like God when we forgive. Archibald Hart said this, forgiveness is surrendering my right to hurt you for you hurting me. Forgiveness begins in the body of Christ in the church with each of us towards one another. As a matter of fact, if you go back to Ephesians chapter 4 and you read, it says unity in the church and then it goes on talking about what it means to be the body of Christ and at the cornerstone of all this is what? Forgiveness. Listen, there's no 10-step program this morning. If you're looking for three points in a sermon, it wasn't going to happen this morning. Simply put, the road to the cross includes forgiveness. And I wanted to show you countless times through the journey of the cross how as Jesus went there, he was forgiving people. He was forgiving people. He was forgiving people. And how could he do that? Because he taught that. Where did he learn that? From his Heavenly Father. And what does the Heavenly Father say? I'm going to give you that same spirit so you too can be forgiving. With Christ in us, we can. The question is, will we? Actually, remove the question mark and flip the words. We will. Instead of like, will we? No, no. Flip the words, get rid of the question mark. Let's make it a proclamation. We will be forgiving as a church. We will, with grace, look at each other face to face with our eyes and say, I forgive you. Who's hurt you? Who's made life miserable for you? 
Who are you holding a grudge against? Who are you refusing to sit down in a table of fellowship with? Forgiveness. We will forgive. It begins the heart. God forgiving us first. And the transformation that takes place within us. And then we ask God, help us forgive others. You won't forget what somebody has done to you, right? We call those emotional scars. Just like you physically have a scar somewhere in your body. I'll never forget when I cut myself there, right? Yeah. But the pain's gone. It's a reminder of the pain. And sometimes those things happen in our lives where people hurt us. You will have those scars. You'll be reminded of when it happened. But God heals. God heals. And we have to forgive others. We have to let go. We won't forget, but we have to let go. Ephesians 4.32. Let me read this one more time. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ's sake, has forgiven you. You know, on Palm Sundays, Jesus rode into Jerusalem. People were praising, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. You know, we were singing those songs, and it's like, yeah, it was awesome. I want you to think about this. As Jesus is riding in, hearing the praises and hearing the shouts, he knew he was going to be betrayed. He knew he was going to be abandoned. He knew he was going to be spit upon. He knew he was going to be crucified. He knew he was going to have a thief on the one side mocking him. And as he rode in on that road to the cross, he just kept riding. Because he knew his heavenly Father was going to help him every step of the way. And he knew he would be forgiving to everyone in spite of what was going to happen. The journey on this road to the cross is that of obedience and it's also of forgiveness. It's also of forgiveness. Would you stand with me, please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity, Lord, to, to look in your word. Lord, uh, it would be so much easier if we just uh, could be mean towards others. Be so much easier if when somebody hurts us, we could just get them back. Instead of being forgiving. But that's not what we're supposed to do. Because even if we think that's the easiest way, we're still actually hurting ourselves. God, I want to thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to live a life a sinless life. Let's take the penalty for us because we are sinners. To die on that cross, to take all that he took upon himself, the abuse, the battering, the pain, the abandonment. So many people hurt Jesus on that road. And he could have just turned around and zapped them. He could have simply not forgiven them. God, one of the most refreshing things is when he came back to life from the tomb and he met with Mary and the other ladies. He said, go tell my brothers to meet me in Galilee. It was with the excitement that Jesus couldn't wait to show them, I'm forgiving you all. I'm forgiving you. You abandoned me. You ran from me. I'm forgiving you. You denied me. I'm forgiving you. 
God, thank you so much for forgiving us. Because every time we sin, really, we're turning our backs on you, saying that our way is the best way. Sometimes we do it purposely. Sometimes we, we don't do it purposely. It just sort of happens. We're thinking it through. So God, I just pray right now. We've all experienced those moments of somebody hurting us, somebody abandoning us, just as you did. Teach us to be forgiving. Help us to forgive those that have hurt us. Lord, if we're going to be a strong church, we've got to start right here in this room. God, I don't think there's anything going on in here. I'm not preaching this because I, there's somebody that's struggling with another person in this room. I don't, I don't know that. I just know that we need to be forgiving towards one another first here. Because once we can figure it out here in this room, forgiving one another, we're going to be a little bit easier to forgive others outside this room. Oh, Lord, I know each of every once in a while, we probably got a family member we're holding a grudge against right now. There's somebody at home right now, somebody maybe that we're going to be meeting up with next week for a family get-together. We're still mad at them about something. We don't want to forgive them. Or maybe it's at work. There's somebody at work that's really hurting us right now, and we just don't want to forgive them. Maybe it's our spouse. Maybe it's one of our kids. If it's a kid in here, maybe it's our parent. We just don't want to forgive them. God, I ask for your help this morning, for your spirit that is alive and well, that resides in us. Help us, Lord, to be forgiving, to let go, to ask for forgiveness, to seek forgiveness, to trust you in these matters, to let you handle it. What an amazing God you are. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us. God, we ask you to help us to be kind, loving, forgiving one another. Lord, we worship you in song. We praise you because of the grace that you've given us, because of the forgiveness you've given us. Lord, let us sing to you knowing that we've been forgiven. Let us sing to you knowing that we need to forgive others. In our name we pray. Amen.